Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to thank you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation every day right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. I want to thank our flagship station, uh, Red State, the largest talk platform in uh, the nation. And also, if you're traveling through Times Square, don't forget to look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, right there on the Red State Talk billboard above Ripley's, the C.L. Bryant Show cycles through every hour, 24 hours a day right there in Times Square. And old C.L.'s face is looking right back at ya. Also want to thank Urban Family Talk, a ministry of American Family Radio and Loving Liberty for rebroadcasting and broadcasting live our show on a daily basis and all of you who in fact replay the show at a later time. You know folks, uh, we do live in a great nation and there are many things that we must safeguard as far as our nation is concerned and as we age we must be con- concerned as well about uh, the pharmaceuticals, the prescriptions that we take, are they pure, and who's actually producing them. A guest of mine, um, Rosemary Gibson, who's been on with me a couple of times before, long before this recent uh, blow-up and uh, her prominence right now on the American medical scene uh, came to being, Rosemary was on with me warning you about how America is dependent upon Chinese pharmaceuticals. We're going to hear from her right now on this topic. Uh, Help me welcome back to the show internationally known author, and also she is award-winning author, international speaker, inspirational, and she is a friend of the show. Help me welcome Rosemary Gibson back to the show. How are you, friend? Oh, I'm very well. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Glad that you're on with me, Rosemary. Well, uh, as you predicted, America is waking up, and they are seeing, due to work like, works like yours, that America very well may be too dependent upon Chinese pharmaceuticals. Talk to us about that, Rosemary. How did we get to this point? Uh, You're so right. We have become very dependent as a country on China for many of our medicines. At first, China started making the the ingredients in them, uh, but now they're making the generic drugs. And they're making generics for uh, HIV AIDS, for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease. They're making chemotherapy for cancer treatment. And these are being made by Chinese companies and sold here in this country. And hardly anybody knows, but I'm so happy to to know that 
uh, the word is getting out because we have to address this. We're in danger of losing our industry. We're so dependent on China. If they shut the door within a couple of months, our pharmacy shelves will be empty and hospitals will cease to function. We can't make penicillin anymore. We can't make penicillin. Uh, Rosemary, stop right there. Are you saying that America cannot produce its own penicillin at this point in our American history, in our medical times? How, How is that possible? You're right. We cannot make penicillin. The last penicillin plant closed in the United States in 2004. It was located up in New York State. And that happened four years after we opened free trade with China. And Chinese companies, it's like steel. They dumped a lot of this penicillin product on the global market at really cheap prices, and it undercut Everybody else it undercut the companies making it in the U.S., in Europe, and even India. And so they all went out of business. They had to, by necessity, folks. And then they, and then they raised the price. Then they raised the price once they got con- dominant control over the penicillin production. Wow. If you talk about a hostile takeover, that's flood the market with cheap drugs that somebody else is producing. They go out of business. So you now have uh, the, 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 the cartel. The, well, not a cartel, but you have monopoly on the penicillin. And folks, then you raise the prices and everybody is at your mercy. That is what China has done. On with me is author of the book, China Rx, Rosemary Gibson. Rosemary, this weekend was so proud to see you uh, gracing the, the, the screen on Fox and other shows. You were trumpeting the uh, impending disaster it could be if we can't trust the Chinese. Talk to us about that. Can we trust these pharmaceuticals that's coming in from China? Well, the, the, uh, some of your listeners might be aware of the blood pressure medicines that were recalled last summer, and it continued into early this year. Millions of Americans got notices saying that there was a problem with the, their medicine, and that's because there was a contaminant in it, a carcinogen. But what hasn't been reported is that the worst culprit was a company in China that had, was selling this like in 20 countries. Their uh, blood pressure medicine had this carcinogen at a level 200 times the acceptable limit per pill, far higher than any other company making this stuff. And when the FDA went in to inspect this plant, they not only stopped the company from selling this medicine, but they banned everything from that factory. And this company knew it was selling medicine in the United States and around the world with what's called genotoxic impurities. The company knew it had a problem, but it didn't go back and fix it. Wow. This is what's happened to our supply of medicine. So yeah, it is a risk. And I'm, I'm really grateful. It's been more than a year. And, but finally, the story is getting out and uh, we have to alert the American public. This is a health issue, national health security issue, 
and a national security issue. So then when we examine and we see the president uh, trying to put together this trade deal with China, Rosemary, tell us uh, then what are the pros and cons that we may face with such a trade deal when it comes to pharmaceuticals? Does that figure in at all? Well, I would be uh, very surprised if China uh, took action on its on the pharmaceutical sector. And by the way, what I'm talking about uh, here today is mostly generics, and generics are 90% of our the medicines that Americans take. See, China wants to become the pharmacy to the world, and it's not there yet. And it still wants to uh, take more of our intellectual property and technology. So I would be very surprised if China would do anything to our supply of medicines because it hasn't reached its goal yet, and it won't reach its goal unless it has is able to take from the United States. We have heard that they are, are thinking about uh, taking some action on rare earths, which are used in the manufacture of a lot of electronics equipment. So I think it would be really unwise for China to do anything with our medicines. Um, but the reality is I think this is a huge wake-up call for us as a country. We have to begin to fix it, and we better fix it fast. And if people are complaining about, oh, this is terrible, well, I'm, you know, we're like frogs sitting in a pot of hot water. And the only direction this is going to go is to the boiling point. Well, and then we're cooked. And so it, if we do nothing, that's where we're going to be. And, but that's why now let's, take, let's jump out of the pot and fix this. And Rosemary, uh, just so everyone is clear on this, this, in your estimation, is by design. China is actually, uh, they have a game plan, an end game in mind uh, in, uh, in controlling pharmaceuticals around the world. What makes them think? Let me ask you this question. What makes them think that they can be the pharmacy of the world? There has to be some indication that we as a global community, uh, when depending on medicine, must be giving to them that uh, they can be? Is it because they have already dominated uh, that particular area as far as penicillin and other drugs are concerned? Well, they have become the... They're on, already on track to become the global pharmacy to the world. They've had a very smart strategic plan, really brilliant, and you know, good for them. What's happening on our end is they, China has the dominant control over the key ingredients to make thousands of medicines. And now they're going to use that same playbook, like we talked about with penicillin, to move from the, making the key ingredients to making the finished drugs, the pills that you and I take. And they're already making more and more generic drugs. They're moving up very quickly. And pretty soon, I, I predict within five to ten years, American and other Western generic companies will be hard-pressed to exist. Wow. They're already having a tough time. Wow. That is amazing how they have gained, people understand they have gained control of the key ingredients. And this is the one thing that life coaches and uh, professors that I have sat under and, and, and been taught by have always taught me. Uh, the formula that worked the first time, it'll work the second time. So continue, if you want success, to compare 
uh, to uh, duplicate your efforts before. That's what China is doing. They were successful with the penicillin. Now they're going to be successful in dominating other areas. If we don't do as Rosemary Gibson is warning us, understand we're in a pot of, of hot water that is being bo- the, the temperature is being turned up. It's time for us to leap. American frogs, Leslie. And, and what happens? What happens? Once we lose control over the supply of our medicines, we lose control over the price we pay. Wow. China will be the price setter. We're going to be the price taker. And if people are concerned now about the price they're getting for medicine, just wait until China controls, controls it. Wow. And members of Congress will have no leverage or anybody in the White House to haul in the CEOs of Chinese companies and say, please, please don't raise our prices. Don't you dare. Wow. That will fall on deaf ears. No accountability. Because the bottom line is, folks, uh, whoever controls your uh, life-giving, life-saving medicines, let's just face it, they control you. Are you understanding me? And so this is a call to action. This is something we must do in order to preserve our way of life and to keep from being absolutely scalped by the Chinese when it comes to medicine. Rosemary, uh, what started you on this uh, journey to expose this? What was the genesis of your book, uh, China Rx? Well, I didn't intend to write a book on this subject. I didn't know anything about this issue. I was looking to write a, a another book in the public interest that would be good for our health and our country. And I just stumbled on this and began to see, my goodness, nobody knows that we're actually importing medicines or key ingredients from China and the implications of it and what's happening to our health, our jobs, and our security. And I thought, this is an untold story, and I spent three years researching it, another 18 months to find a a publisher, and here we have it. And what's remarkable is that it took someone like me, a private citizen, doing this without, you know, getting paid from anyone, to put this out there. And the question is, why? Why did a lot of people not want us to know about this problem? So that's that's a really important question. Is there then let's explore that a little bit further. Is there then in your mind a complicity with uh, American entities who may be in the pharmaceutical industry to, in fact, aid and abet China in accomplishing their goal? What would you say to that? Well, uh, I asked someone in the industry when I was writing the book, China Rx, so why was it when country of origin labeling legislation, let's put labels on our medicines to, you know, where they're made, there was a bill introduced in Congress, and it was killed immediately. And I asked this industry person, so why do you think it was killed? And this person who's worked in the industry for a long time said, well, they probably thought it wouldn't be good for business if their customers knew where the medicines were coming from. Wow. Wow. Because they know that in a most latest poll from a long time ago, about 95% of Americans don't trust medicines from China. You know, many people remember when their dogs and cats died from contaminated pet food. Yeah, yeah. And so if that happens to pet food, this is where we're outsourcing our medicines to? We so had this friends. Is why I think it was hidden. They, they don't want us to know. 
we had friends in in uh, Northern California who actually had a pet to perish because of one uh, because of contaminated China, uh, dog food from China. Rosemary, uh, this is incredibly provocative. It is interesting uh, because when we think about how far we've come down the road and how the Chinese are in fact growing in uh, economic strength. Uh, the president, when we look at the, the, the way the world is beginning to work, medicine is really becoming, is our population aging? I guess this is the question I'm going to ask. Is our population aging in such a way that this is perhaps the final call that we, we, we will hear before disaster actually strikes? Talk to us about that. Well, it certainly is a risk to our country and one that every American can understand. A lot of folks won't understand, you know, about the steel or 5G or the South China Sea. This is a kitchen table issue, and I I love that uh, because it helps us understand what's going on in the world. And we have to fix it, and we have to fix it fast. We have to begin to bring some of this production home. We need to diversify where we're getting our medicines, and not just us. The whole world is dependent on China. The Dutch uh, aired a documentary earlier this year on the Netherlands' dependence on China for medicine. And they were much more transparent in their media. It was on their local uh, public television station. We don't have that here. So even the Netherlands is dependent on China. So if there's a, you know, global pandemic, we're all going to be standing in line waiting for, you know, antibiotics. And is China really going to give them out or they'll hold them for their own population? So we've got to get in here, use the billions of dollars that we're already spending not to support the growth of China's uh, medicine industry, but to bring some of those jobs back, rebuilding plants and improve our health security our economic uh, prosperity and national security. Rosemary, how, tell the folks how to get a hold of China RX and how to get a hold of you if they want you to come and speak to their civic organization, their church, schools, what have you. Uh, tell them how to get in touch with you. Oh, I would love to come uh, speak about this in communities around the country. It's so important that we understand this. And just so you know, my aim is not to frighten but to enlighten. The China RX exposing the risks of America's dependence on China for medicine. Your local library may have it. Your local bookstore, you can order it. And, of course, it's on Amazon. Uh, please, I hope you're, I, we accepted no money while um, uh, writing this book, and we donate proceeds to good causes. So I hope, and it has 900 footnotes. It's very well documented. So I hope people will get it, read the book, share it with their family, friends, and colleagues, and together we can make a difference. We can fix this. Together we can fix this. We can make a difference. Rosemary, God bless you. God keep you is my prayer. And uh, continue to fight the good fight because, uh, and I know that you will because you are fighting the good fight. And uh, as always, it it is my, my honor to have you on the show with me. We'll talk to you real soon, friend. See you on the other side. Look forward to it. Thank you so much. I'm CL. Be right back.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you coast to coast, border to border. My former guest was Rosemary Gibson, the author of China R. X. Rosemary had been on with me uh, a few times before. Um, she really blew up on uh, Fox News here over the weekend. And all of this is in relationship to um, it, the exposing of it, the exposing of how dependent uh, Americans are, the world is, on Chinese pharmaceuticals, uh, actually has come to a greater um, a scrutiny because of the president wanting to open up or, or at least have a fair trade agreement with China. Uh, Rosemary's work, of course, came onto uh, the scene because of the book that she has written, China Rx. And folks, if you uh, don't understand that their plan is to become the global pharmacy, China, because they own most of the key ingredients that go into your American medicine and Dutch medicine, wherever you are on the globe listening to this show, uh, you must understand that this is something that is absolutely real. However, to reach their goal, they shouldn't do anything crazy. However, all of us do remember that there was uh, an, uh, an incident where uh, animal food, dog food. I had we had friends in Northern California that lost a pet to tainted Chinese dog food. Now, some type of um, accident, let's say, that may happen in our pharmaceutical uh, industry because of the labeling, because they don't label and let you know where this medicine is coming from. How would you know if tainted medicine that you have came from China? How would you know that? You heard Rosemary Gibson say that there was a bill introduced to let all of us know where the ingredients uh, in the pharmaceuticals that, that you take and the uh, where the origin of the medicine came from. That bill was immediately shot down. Okay? So... My question to her was, is there then some type of complicity that may be going on as far as our pharmaceuticals are concerned in conjunction with China wanting to dominate the world and become the globe's pharmacy? There's a lot for us to consider here. 
especially when we look at an aging population in America. And now also when we think about aging and the aging population in America, it is said that uh, most of us who are under 85 years of age will live with reasonable good care of yourself well into your hundreds, 105, 110. They're now saying because of the leaps and bounds in medical science, uh, that can that can reasonably be uh, looked to as life expectancy for the average American under 85 years of age. And the question has to be, will you outlive your money? If you live that long and they don't fix, uh, if you're just depending on Social Security or what have you, um, y- you will definitely outlive any government, uh, you know, li- uh, li- any government uh, funds that's, that are coming your way. Entitlements. Bonafide entitlements. On with me now is someone who is a master of mentoring people about money. Uh, and he is, in fact, money mastery mentor and monetary realist. My good friend, he is also an expert on global cooperative crowdfunding group, and he's going to hear to tell us all about it. He's a regular on the show. Welcome back to the show, my good buddy, David Rideau. Welcome to the C.L. Bryan Show. How are you, friend? Oh, doing well, C.L. Thank you so much for having me come back and visit with you and share some uh Thoughts. <laughs> the thought-sharing world we live in nowadays, right? Yes, indeed it is, David. And so let's get right to sharing some thoughts about money. How real is it that uh, the American population, young or old, may get to a point that they're just consumers and not somehow producing savings or monetary common sense to take them through the, the long years that we may live? Talk to us about the reality of that. Well, you know, see, I've had plenty of people ask me about writing a book, and I don't know that money is something you can nail down in a bullet point because it affects the entire human experience, regardless of uh, what race, nationality, uh, location, uh, it's the same. So as we go forward in consciousness, and the only reason I can – use that word is because that's what's happening with all this information and thought sharing. We become more conscious. So as we talk about what you just talked about with Rosemary, which is the fact that they can give us pharmaceuticals from China that don't stand the same scrutiny as our government would require for someone in this country to produce the same product. However, because of the economics we will go where the price is cheaper and we will sacrifice the quality for the price. Interesting. So the question is, if you want the quality, are you willing to pay the price? Same thing's true as we go forward, you know, economically. And that's what I mean by it. it's hard to nail the idea down when it comes to the monetary exchange, because when you look at the different political systems, they all have an economic vent to them. There's a reason for the economics uh, in every situation because that's the simple 
explanation is we have two things as humans. We have what do we love and care about and look out for and preserve relationships, and how do we do that with this entity in our world called money or the medium of exchange? It, we, we bump into ourselves on both sides. One, let's say it's a coin. One side is love. The other side is money. So let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this then, David. We're on with David Rideau, who is a coach, uh, as a, a, a monetary coach, and he coach uh, he does give counsel to so many around the country. And we're going to talk about something that he uh, talked to me about here a couple of months ago now, uh, and it, you can benefit from it as well. But uh, David, when we look at the the so called haves and the have-nots is that gap actually growing between the haves and the have-nots and uh, or, or is that a fallacy uh, that is still a debate that's going on some say that the ships are rising some say that the ships are not but i want to hear from you as to what's going on with our uh, monetary society well, keep in mind, it takes money to make money, right? Never heard that expression? Oh, absolutely. The haves and the have-nots. So the haves are the ones with money, and the have-nots are the ones without money. There was a wonderful book written, turn of the century, and everybody's probably heard of it if they haven't read it, and that was Think and Grow Rich. You know, one of the things that I do besides the monetary reality is look at the reality period of the human experience because we are spiritual having a human experience. We have a higher consciousness that's bigger than we are that incorporates everybody, but we still want to keep it at the personal level of looking out for me and the heck with everybody else. So you end up with those haves and have not, right? We in the sixties the slogan was he who dies with the most toys wins. So we put a seed out there called acquire more things, consume more things, have more things. And so in that having of more, it's a consciousness reality. That Think and Grow Rich book was all about how do you get rich? Well the number one thing is you gotta think about it. You have to think about having more if you're a person that's getting less and less and less? Are you thinking about having less and less and less? Or are you looking for ways to increase your money supply or preserve the amount you got coming in? Because you have always two choices in the human experience. So that's the monetary realist side of where I lean. The reality is, as the biblical expression goes, you have not because you ask not. And it would be great if it was that simple, but we have to somehow as humans get out of our own way. And there is so much information available today. We tend to, and I say we because it's a human thing, not a personal from just me, it's the human. We all have this challenge, what we pay attention to and what we carry forward. I learned uh, being raised in Detroit that I saw four and five generations of women existing using the exact same model. 
grandma, great grandma, had children, no babies, uh, plenty of babies, but no dads in the house. And so they taught welfare, you know, to re- re- how you survive from one generation to the next. And sadly, we still reproduce that same model. And that's, that's the have-nots, if you will, as far as the measure of having more money than you need. What we forget is rich people help more and benefit more people than poor people. Poor people consciously are only looking out for self. People with more than they need have an ability to give money away. That's what we, you know, we first touched base a few days ago. That's what you brought up as the guy that's going to pay off these college loans. You'd never hear anybody without money even attempting to think that way. Right. But when you got more than you need, you can then you can position yourself to help more people. And again, does that make them welfare recipients? In a way, it does, because if they're not looking for ways to elevate themselves to a point where they can do for somebody else what was done for them as we pay it forward in the world. Absolutely. Are they looking at it from that perspective, or are they just taking a hand out? Absolutely. We're on with David Rideau, and uh, as you can gather, David Rideau is a master mentor on uh, monetary uh, ideas, and he's a monetary realist. Um, David, when we talk about the rich, and I want you to stay with me through the break, although we have about six minutes left in this segment, but uh, when we talk about um, the rich, there seems to be a very popular theme that has uh, been around, well, like you said, since the 70s, the late 60s uh, and, and the 70s and up until this present time, that somehow the rich are evil and they should be soaked. I remember a time, and you and I are in the same age bracket, I remember a time when uh, we wanted to be rich. We didn't necessarily hate them. We wanted to be like them. And uh, where did that where did that change? Why did that change? And is that unhealthy, considering that it is the wealthy who produce for you the iPhone, your cars, uh, whatever uh, electronic uh, ingenuity that you're seeing? Somebody who could lose the money actually invested the money so that they could risk it to make the planet better. David, why is it that people attack those people? Well, you know, what's interesting is most of the the uh, the wealthiest people didn't necessarily start out to be wealthy. What they started out to do, and I, you know, I just finished a book on this. It's called, uh, you know, The 11th Element. And what they started out to do was make a difference. And the difference that they started out to make obviously he was going to benefit a whole lot of other people besides self. And so most of these success stories are based on some desire to make a difference and not just a desire to make money. And I, and I think that's where we get lost. We teach people, go to school, get an education, get a job, which means prepare yourself to go out and earn a living. And that's what we teach them, how to go out and earn a living how to go out and be part of the industrial age or the industrial model. You know, 40-hour work week, commute to work, uh, look for benefits, uh, you know, uh, be self-sufficient, if you will, uh, pay your bills, buy a house, the American dream, right? Buy a house, a uh, car in the garage, and chicken in every pot, 
and a vacation, a two-week vacation uh, once a year. But we see the Europeans that have six weeks of vacation. They have uh, a year of pregnancy leave where they can take off from work for a year after they have a baby and have somebody that comes in and helps them. But we don't hear that model in this American model. See, the American model is built around capitalism, which means we shop with our wallet all the time. We look for the most for the least, but we measure it based on what it's going to cost from a monetary standpoint when it's about making a difference. We don't really want to make a difference. We just want to, we get programmed to believe we, all we need to do is make a living. Wow. And that's the difference between the ultra successful and the people that are just going along to get along, as my father used to say. Yeah. <laughs> people just go along to get along. Yeah. And and folks, that is the worst situation that you can find yourself in just being swept along by the current because actually you find yourself doing nothing. And the easiest thing uh, in the world, well, I, I say the hardest thing in the world really is to do do nothing because you don't know when you're finished doing it. You, I mean, you know, you just continue doing nothing. And that's what David was describing when he talked about generational uh, dependence on government handouts, government checks, generational uh, families without a father in the home. And you know, the mother, the grandmother, the great grandmother uh, have passed down a generational codependency uh, because no one was doing anything. Doing nothing is hard because you never finish it. And so, David, when we come back after the break, uh, the world is changing. As you said, the world is changing. Young people are finding all types of ways to make money uh, through the Internet. And there is something now, folks, that uh, you have heard of. It's called crowdfunding. But, David, I'd like for you to tell us about when we, t we return, not only how to get a hold of you and get you to where people are, but global cooperative crowdfunding funding group want uh, uh, you to hear about this folks because in the new world that we are uh, crossing into and don't let that scare you that i'm talking about a new world all right the world evolves economically on a daily basis and the only question that's left is, will you be a part of the opportunities? Will you be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are available to you while you're living in this present age uh, as we press forward? And we're going to talk to uh, my guest here in this half hour, David Rideau, who is a, a money, uh, money mastery mentor and monetary realist. Uh, he'll talk to us about global cooperative crowdfunding group that uh, he turned me on to here just uh, a couple of months ago. I haven't jumped in yet. Maybe we can jump in together. I don't know. He'll tell us uh, why we should and what it's all about when we return with more of the C.L. Bryant show as we broadcast throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known. Traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's. Believe it or not, in every hour on the hour, the C.L. Bryant Show does pop up there on that billboard. I'm C.L. Be right back. You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Concern to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. CL bag with you and hey folks the holla the summer holiday seasons are coming up um fourth of july is right around the corner and of course labor day comes up not long after it and hey we'll be right back into the holiday season school will be back in just got out but it'll be back in here real soon and uh, you need to, on your picnics, pick up that copy of D-Rock's latest release, I Am an American. That's the song that just brought us back in from the break. I was uh, honored to lend my voice to the opening of that latest release of his, I Am an American. Play it loud and proud on the beaches, the parks, uh, in your backyard. Not too loud for the neighbors. Let them have their ta- good time, too. But... Hey, play it loud. Play it proud there on uh, the 4th of July. I am an American. I'm CL. Back with you. My special guest this half hour is David Rideau. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned for the second hour of the show. Download free the CL Brian Show app onto your favorite device and listen to all of the shows that are cataloged right there. David, when we left, um, I wanted to get you to tell everybody how to engage you with their civic organizations, churches, schools, what have you, uh, in order to share this message around the, the country? Well, the fastest way to get to me is to just give me a call. <laughs> That's the fastest way to get to me. Uh, but email-wise, that's uh, that's available too, and I use a different email service than Gmail. I use one that's G like George, M like Mary, X like X-ray, GMX dot com. Okay, that's the the trailer on the email, and my initials are all you need: D C R and the numeral two, D C R two at GMX dot com. And that'll get you to me email-wise. Uh, phone-wise, I use a 800 number service because, you know, we have auto dialers that dial everybody's number these days. That's another reason, uh, you know, that I can kind of see it a little differently is because I spent the first half of my life in electronics. So I grew up with computers when they were the size of a building versus the size now that will fit in our pocket. Uh, so I've been part of this technological evolution, and I just see as it gets more and more convenient to communicate, why is the information still going around like it's missing, like we're not getting information. So my 800 number is 1-800-745-3486. You know, uh, David. 1-800-745-3486. 
David, when we think about it, and uh, you would be the perfect person to ask this question. I was saying uh, to someone the other day, and um, the, the person actually seemed as though they got uh, irritated that I said this. But I, I was saying basically what you what you were saying. I said, hey, listen, we have a supercomputer in our hands, right, right in our hands. Uh, why is it that we yeah. don't? communicate any better than we do ideas that are beneficial it, it was was that an accurate statement to say that the iphone or the smartphone is indeed what used to be known as a, a supercomputer uh, well it is known as, in my world that i call it a supercomputer now i mean look at it it's a recorder it's a videotape it's a tv it's a you know it's a flat screen it's a cut screen it's a what does it not do? I mean, it just doesn't cook dinner. I'm sure they'll figure out how to do that pretty soon. But you can order dinner. <laughs> you can order a car. I was just about to say, I was just about to say, you can have an apple on there and dinner will arrive at your front door cooked. That's right. You're, there you go. You can order dinner. You can even order a car. Yeah. You know, all these things can be done through this super handheld computer. But they call it a smartphone. And I just remind some of my young mentees, don't let the phone be smarter than you, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Do not let the technology outsmart you. And the reality is what we as humans have to realize from that, that element of making a difference on the planet, because we share this place called Earth. And Earth supports all life, even when it shows up as ducks and trees and squirrels and ants. Earth supports that life. And somehow humans, we have this big thing called the eagle. And if you look at the translation of that word, it means I. So we're very focused on the I part of life. But my I is going to go with me the whole time I'm here, just like your I is going to go with you. That's the paradox of the human. That's the reality is we are all obligated to sustain life for self first and everything else follows self first. You know, now, I don't know if that was a cosmic joke that creator played. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> You know, you know what I do. I, I am of the of the mind, no doubt, that the Creator God does have an incredible sense of humor, and I do believe that uh, we, uh, when we laugh and uh, and so forth, we are reflecting uh, that sense of humor that is part of His being created in His image as well. David, let me ask you this question: As far as uh, young people are concerned, and making money is concerned. I remember, and you remember, I know, uh, when if somebody had a million dollars, they were a millionaire, they had two million, three million, whatever, they were considered very, very rich, and that was a lot of money. That's not a lot of money anymore. I mean, it's it still, still is. It still is it still a lot is. of money if you get it. Yeah, it's it still is, Theo. But, but, yeah. uh, but, but somehow our perspective of numbers, since we have this age of computers, has also become a, a bigger number. Bigger numbers are understandable to us. Do our young people understand them much more than us baby boomers? Uh, do they understand numbers or do we? Did we have a better grasp of that? Talk to us about it. I think we had a better grasp. 
And the reason is when you look at the capacity, I mean, like I said, I grew up with computers. And at one point in time, if you had 64,000 bits of memory, you had a huge memory capacity. Now we talk in numbers of terabytes and even bigger numbers than that, which is, in, you know, it's a million times a million times a million, the capacity to store information. So in the information age, we've evolved from the industrial age where we produce everything, especially in America, we produce everything for the rest of the planet until the other part of the planet figured out how to copy what we do, get people to work for less money. Some people call that slave labor. Uh, sometimes when you're in the industrial world, it's always slave labor because you either you know, understand that or you're, you're being used that way. And the bottom line is we shop based on price because we want the biggest return for our money. But a million dollars is still a lot of money. I mean, if you can put a million dollars in a bank somewhere and get just a measly 5% interest on it, that's 5000 and that's per year, that's an extra $50,000. And if you divide 12 into 50000 you're living on about $4,500 a month and never spend down the principal. So a million dollars is still a great goal from a monetary standpoint. But when you've got billionaires walking around, and most of us don't understand the difference in a billion and a million. So if people don't know that, it's a thousand times more. It's not a zero. It's three zeros. And so when people understand the numbers, they all go suddenly they go, man, we're just number inundated. But the reality is uh, we don't really understand the numbers. That's why sometimes we forget the technology it takes to put all these bits and digits together to make this supercomputer in our pocket work. Wow. That takes a lot of data control to make that work. It's a small miracle all by itself. And what the human mind has put this together, that's what we have to applaud, is the fact that human, human ingenuity has brought us to this place where right now you're where you are. I'm here in California, outside, wire, totally wireless, <laughs> talking to you. Wow. It is an amazing world that we live in, folks. And still in my mind, though, the, 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 the gift of flight and the ability that was put into flight, although you go back to Hughes dual, uh, uh, Tool and Die Company that Howard Hughes' father started, you know, and, and all of that type of thing. We look at the ingenuity that goes in and, and the, the, the power to fly is still one of the most fascinating things uh, to me. David, uh, last question that I have for you. I want to thank you for being on with me here today. Uh, do we then um, benefit from progressive liberal ideas of soaking the rich and making them pay for those who are underachievers? Talk to us briefly. Got about two minutes. Uh, the, well, you know, it's, it's a consciousness, right? It's, see, the, the problem with you know, this cosmic joke that God has given us is in order for you to get, you have to give, <laughs> right? right? Who can skip those steps? Nobody. So in order to get, you have to give. And so we give labor, we give time, we give knowledge, and we get a paycheck. And then we take that paycheck and we give it to the grocery store and the movie theater and the car manufacturer. So we have to give and get. It's part of life. And so soaking somebody that has more than enough is a great way to get even with them for being productive and creative. 
Mm. Why do we want to do that? But it also plants that seed of negativity in a world where there's always the equal and the opposite. No matter where you go, we got division in our political system, the Democrats and the Republicans, right? So which one's right and which one's wrong? I guess it depends on which way you're looking that day. And so the welfare world is benefited by the politicians that want to benefit the least fortunate. But we don't make the responsibility the least fortunate responsibility. We will feed them and not teach them how to fish. I will, we will give them a fish and not teach them how to fish. See, the wealthiest people in the world all write success books on how to fish. Yeah, yeah. However, the people that really should be reading those books don't read them. Right, right. That is so true. David, man, every time you're on, I wish I had more time here to spend with you today, but uh, we'll have you back on real soon. And I want to thank you for being on with me. Uh, we, we need to get to the crowdfunding. Talk to us one minute. Talk to us about the uh, crowdfunding group. Got it, didn't get to that. Okay. The, the evolution of, you know, here's what's evolved. You know, as a, the evolving is we went to crowdfunding. Uh, President Obama gave us crowdfunding, right? It was called the Jobs Act, Jumpstart Our Business Success. And so we, we have collaborative uh, crowd raising based on uh, profit making versus nonprofit has always been part of our uh, monetary conversation. It's more benevolent to be nonprofit than it is to be profit. But it takes a profit-making entity to support the nonprofit. So crowdfunding is just the way that like-minded people group together, share the resource of crowdsourcing in order to get enough money so a person can start a business. But it's been taken to the extreme because there's always a middleman. The systems that I specialize in, there is no middleman. You become the, the person in charge, and you become responsible for just sharing the idea with somebody else. So it's a crowd sharing, funding sharing, money sharing idea, because that's what we do with money anyway, is we share it. Absolutely. And when we understand that the consciousness of sharing it, everybody will have more. David Rideau, thank you so much. I got to bring you back on. We have to investigate that even deeper. Thanks so much for being on. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. Lovers of liberty know what it's like to be marginalized by mainstream and conservative media. This is a platform that speaks your language. We are the Loving Liberty Radio Network.